Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliff, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us. <laughs> we were just having a time and we're basking in the presence of the Lord. And we pray the same for you, that God would just flood you with his glory today where you are. And we're glad you've chosen to join us and be a part of our worship service and a part of our sharing in the word. We pray God's word would touch you because it's living. It is alive. And we know Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. We pray today that you would know Jesus, not as some, just some, some historical figure 2,000 years ago, but you would know him personally and intimately. And my prayers for every person who's watching, every person here would know that Jesus Christ loves you and he gave himself for each one of us. You'd been the only sinner. He still would have went to Calvary. To die for your sins. That's who he is. And that is who he wants to be in your life. That you may know him and have that eternal life. But also have the abundant life here on this earth. To be able to do what God has called you to do. Because I want to tell you God's plans are good. And they're the best plans that you could ever imagine. Beyond what we would ever, ever imagine. I pray today God would bless you. And God would touch you. I pray. Father today we love you. We praise you. You're here in this place. This is your word. And as we share from the word of God, we ask that you would speak to us and that every life would be touched by the reality that God is alive. That you're doing and up the great things, Lord. And we know there's no no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ. And we exalt him today. And Lord, today we want to do more than just singing. We want to worship. And so today we praise you. We glorify you. You speak, Lord, to every person here. In fact, Lord, we're asking that your word would flood this country called the United States of America. And we pray, Father, that people in their homes today that in no way, Lord, have any intention of coming together to hear the word of God and fellowshipping and, and, and to to have their faith stirred and increased, oh God. We ask you to flood the homes all over this city and all over this nation. And we pray today that hearts would turn to you. We ask for revival. We ask for an awakening. We ask for that which you and you alone can do because, Lord, you make and bring those things that are dead, you bring them to life. And we ask you today, Lord, to wake us up. Wake every heart up. In this place. And every heart that's listening on this Zoom, oh God, and beyond. Wake us up, oh God. And show yourself to be mighty and strong, oh God. Because that's who you are. And dear God, today we welcome you, Father. We welcome you. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at the importance of forgiveness in prayer. And I pray that this word, the word of God, does never return void, but it will go forth and accomplish what God desires for it to accomplish. And so we're going to look at verses 22 through verse 26. The importance of forgiveness in prayer. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that which he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Pretty stern, isn't it? Amen. And we've been talking about prayer over the last few weeks and talking about different ways, praying in faith, believing God, claiming the promises of God and and believing that one promise that we need to know and always hang on to. And that is Hebrews 13, 5, where Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never walk away from us. He's here right now. 
He's with us always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so when we pray, Lord, show us your glory, we're asking God to do something so miraculous in our lives that he and he alone can do. Because what happens is if we try to conjure it up, we like to take a lot of credit for it. But when God does it, we can say all glory and honor to you, Father. We give you praise today. So this is what we want to talk about, the connection between prayer and forgiveness. And I want you today, as we go through this, then think about it. Is there on your heart someone who you've not forgiven? And we're going to clarify that in just a moment. But first of all, as we start this, I want to talk about, because we've been talking about prayer, and there is, I want to share from the conference that I was with at four weeks ago, and a sermon by Pastor Robert Morris that he shared. And he, he at that particular meeting, he gave the permission that I can plagiarize, okay, that I can share these things. He said, just use it because it's good. He researches the word of God. He's a uh, man of God, and he, uses, he just gets into the word. And I love to be able to glean and learn because we learn from one another, don't we? I learn from other preachers. You learn, obviously, as we go through life, we use whatever means to be able to learn uh, from uh, each other. But he went with Ezekiel chapter 1 and then in the book of Revelation, but especially in Ezekiel chapter 1, it talks about the four elders. And the four elders today, if you don't know what it is, go back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and go into the book of Revelation and look at the four elders. But what Robert, Pastor Robert felt like it was saying to him, the Lord is speaking to him, was the four elders actually are the four foundations of the church, Okay. The, the very foundations of the body of Christ. You see, the body of Christ is a church. And the first foundation is obviously Jesus Christ, right? And he, as I hear, and he obviously doesn't, he is grace, but he represents grace in that manner. Grace, okay? And he pointed out the fact that we always, we give people grace. We forgive other people, and there are a lot of people that hurt us through life. And we give them grace. That's giving them grace when you forgive them, Okay. And we forgive those and we go through life and some maybe again, if God is showing you a person, somebody you have not forgiven, then let's bring in and, and today get it, get, get it right before the Lord. OK, but grace is actually when you give that person forgiveness, you're forgiving them for hurting you. And see, because if we hold on to that unforgiveness, it doesn't hurt that person. They don't care, but it hurts you. It keeps us in bondage. So what it does is free you up to obviously to be free and that when you forgive. And grace is grace that saved us and the grace that sustains us through life. You know, everything we do is obviously that act of grace because we don't deserve it and we can't do it without God's power in our life. But the question that Pastor Robert mentioned was the fact of, have we forgiven ourselves? Now, we know when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and we accept Jesus into our life, we obviously receive his grace. It's amazing grace that we sang about here. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and you. And so we know that grace is there. We don't deserve, I don't deserve salvation, neither do you. But certainly the question is, after you're saved, you still sin. Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he says, if we sin and we confess our sins, and he's faithful and just, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So he forgives us. And so we still do. We still sin, obviously. We're secure in Christ. But to keep that fellowship open, we need to obviously ask forgiveness for that sin and so forth. But sometimes what happens is the enemy will come along and begin to taunt you and say, hey, you know that? Remember that? You got saved because of Jesus's grace. But now that you are saved and you blew it, you think God's going to forgive you? You think God's going to obviously just give up on you? No. And, and sometimes he'll pound you with shame and guilt and all that. And God does not want us to walk in that. He wants to know. And so the question is, have you given yourself grace? Have you given yourself grace? We give other people grace, but have we given ourselves grace? And that's what we need to do. The second foundation is prayer. Prayer. And prayer is war. In parentheses, Pastor Robert put, it is war. Okay. We're in a war, warfare. We're in spiritual warfare. I was never taught that in the church. But as God began to reveal things to me over time, and, you know, I've rubbed shoulders with people, and they've taught me, and they've mentored me and all. But we're in a war, folks. And what you see today in the natural is not necessarily what's happening in, 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 the, in the spiritual, but it is. It is a war going on. 
It is a war, obviously, for the souls of the people in this country and around the world. And we have a real adversary. His name is Satan. And all of his demons that were thrown out of heaven when they rebelled against God. But we know that it is a very severe war. And unless we know how to do warfare, then we'll be taken out of the battle. Trust me, you will. But I want to assure you of something really uh, very encouraging. That is the fact that, that we can win. Jesus won and gave us the victory. But there are battles and skirmishes along the way of our lifetime that he wants us to walk away in victory, okay? But it's done in your prayer closet, so to speak. Okay, it's war. And one of the things that we know in the word of God that says most of all is, is obviously don't, the battle is the Lord's. And remember when Moses stood there at the Red Sea and he held his staff up and he said, stand still and see the salvation of God, the deliverance of God. Remember, he says, be still and know that the battle is God's. You can't do anything on your own. But the issue is, are we showing up for prayer? Are we coming before the Lord and are we praying for this nation? Are we praying for our families? Are we praying for our communities? Are we praying for our churches? You see, this is the warfare today because it's real. And it's not just against uh, secular society. It's against all people. It's against Christians, certainly. But are we taking our place and we're praying and asking God to do what he and he alone can do? Second foundation there. The third foundation is worship. Okay. And parentheses, Pastor Robert put abandonment. You abandon yourself to God. And so you completely give up control of your life and you give control to God. And the question is, have you done that lately? Because a lot of times when we come in and we sing through our worship service here, we call it a worship service. Are you just singing a song? Are you coming completely abandoned to God? We know the songs. We love to sing. You're singing to the Lord. I love to sing to the Lord. There are songs that are about him too, yes. But when you sing to the Lord, are you singing to him? And some of the, the, the songs that we sing are actually prayers. Are they real, actually? Have you abandoned yourself, just given up before the Lord? Given control of your life to the Lord. Many times we say, oh, yes, I have, Jim, I have. But then again, when it comes Monday morning, how is it and what does that look like? That means we give him control of that day also, not just here on Sunday or whatever. It's every day we abandon ourselves. That's worship, you see. And the fourth foundation is servanthood or humility. In other words, we serve one another, don't we? We serve it out of a motive, motive because God has called us to serve one another and because we love one another. He said, this is one command that, that I give you. Jesus said that you love one another. And you serve because of that. There are different ways of service. And maybe if you have a job that you say, well, I'm serving my boss and so forth. Yeah, but you're getting money. You're getting paid for that. But are you just serving because you want to serve the Lord and, and as, your, uh, as a, a part of your service that it's to other people? That's servanthood or humility. And the question is, as you go through life, are you becoming more humble? <clears throat> are you realizing that obviously it's all God? Remember what I gave you the illustration about Billy Graham? I believe it was 99 when he went home to be with the Lord. His pastor came in and was preaching to him over the last three years of his life. And Billy would always say this in the last three years of his life. Remember, thousands of people came to the Lord through Billy Graham's uh, service. Many people, you've seen the big crusades, many people. Maybe if somebody here may have gotten saved through his crusade. And remember, he looked at his pastor during that time and he get on, not, couldn't talk a lot. And certainly he wasn't able to preach at all. But right the last three years, he said this to his pastor. He said, it was all him. Do we realize it is all him? You realize that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights? Do you realize everything good that comes to your life is from our Heavenly Father? Do you give thanks for that? Are you becoming more humble and realizing that everything is coming from the Father? He loves us that much. Why? Because we're His kids. We're His kids. Isn't that great? But here's the point. I mean, God wants us to go higher and higher in these foundations. He wants to go in a higher level of prayer in our lives, corporately and individually. 
He wants to take you and I at a higher level of servanthood. He wants to take us to a higher level of worship. And He wants to take us at a higher level of grace and knowing that it's all grace. This is what He's doing today. And you say, well, how can I know about that? Ask Him. If you say what Jim is saying today, what he's obviously as he believes this, and I believe with all my heart, this is what God wants to do. Ask him. Say, how, Lord, can you take me higher in these things that Jim talks about? How can you take this church called Lighthouse Fellowship to a higher level with you and these four foundations? I believe God will answer that prayer. If you don't forgive, the Bible says that God won't forgive you in that sense. So it is very important and remember here, I believe it was last week when we talked about when Jesus passed by the fig tree, he commanded it to die. Now, the fig tree is symbolic uh, that we won't go into that message, but he did. And remember what happened? The fig tree did not uh, wither right away. But when they came back the next day, Peter saw the tree and said, hey, look, Lord, the, the tree is withered. And so he commanded it that it would die because it wasn't serving the purpose. And it was not being obedient to the Lord, obviously, in that, in that particular ma manner. And Jesus has given us a very good uh, study here about who we are in him and who he is in us. In verse 24 of Mark 11, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. He's saying anything we pray in his will. What do you say? We will get it. And he wants you to know he wants in that relationship because that's a part of that relationship that he wants us to know him with anything in his will. Is it your will that you grow in Christ? Amen. Yes, Jim. I believe it is asking, Lord, I want to grow and be more like Jesus. Is it his will that he take care of your needs? Yes. And he goes beyond that. I want to tell you in my life, I'm sure in your life, too. He'll supply all of his, your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, right? You can pray that. Lord, take care of me. You know, obviously, our Father, our Father, a tender Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We exalt you, Lord, above the heavens and the earth. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we know that his will is perfectly being done in heaven, right? There is not an inkling of anything that is not being done in his will in heaven. Perfectly. And yet he's saying here, pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's saying. So if you're praying that way, then you can be assured that it's God's will. And something's going to happen. Something will happen in that. But he goes on to say, forgive us of give us this day, our daily bread. OK, we can go to him every day. Give me, Lord, the daily bread here. Remember, the children come out of Egypt. They were given manna every day. They were fed good. They ate good because some people say, well, it's like angel food, probably some real good. Uh, what is it? The angel food cakes like that in it. I like angel food cakes, don't you? Because I need a whole ton of that stuff and feel like I can justify it, and not gain any weight. Right. But it was like angel food, okay? Give us this day, our, our daily bread. And then he goes on to say this, and it's important. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There it is. Mark, Matthew chapter 22. He's saying here, it put it together. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And since you have forgiven me, then I'm going to offer that forgiveness to other people. How many of you in here just know, don't have to raise your hand. That people have spoken wrongly about you. They said things about you that hurt you, have wounded you. People that you really uh, obviously admired, maybe even some close friends. Maybe somehow um, they were people that you trusted. And yet they've hurt you. They've hurt you. They've done things. They betrayed you. And betrayal, obviously, is very, very, very difficult. But Jesus is putting an emphasis here. You want your prayers answered? Then no, forgive other people. Your, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus is saying here of everything I just said, he's be sure to understand the connection.
between living in God's forgiveness towards your sin and you forgiving others who sin against you. And that is in the context of how to pray effectively. If you're praying and you feel like you just can't get quite to first base, then go back and say, Lord, is there somebody in my, in my life that's hurt me? Is there anybody? If you ask the Holy Spirit to show you that, He will. He will definitely show you. And you can go before Him. You see, well, I don't feel like forgiving. None of us really, in a lot of times, feel like it. But you know, I've always said feelings are fickle. The truth never changes. And so what do we do when you got up this morning and you said, I'm going to church? Amen? Everybody? Anybody? What'd you do? I hope, obviously, y'all are well-dressed, okay? Right? Put your skirt on, your pants on, whatever, your shoes. You came to church. You didn't come here barefooted. And you said that. But what you did was, by an act of your will, you said, I'm going to church today. Then I know God's got something for me. And I pray every, obviously, hunger for him will be obviously touched this day because the presence of the Lord is here. He's here. And that's why we lingered. He's healed here. Let us be more aware of your presence, Lord, you said. But by an act of your will, you said, I'm going to church. You're going, man, it would be mighty good to lay there and kind of like, that bed feels so good. When my alarm goes off, I'm going... Uh, is this thing, is something wrong? I looked at it and this morning I went, it was ex it's exactly where I said it, but it didn't feel like it. I don't know about y'all. You know, y'all may are spry. All of y'all are a lot more spry than I am. Y'all jumped out of bed and said, I'm going to church. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to sing and we're going to hear the word of God. Okay. But I didn't get up quite as quick. And a lot of you say, yeah, but Jim, Jim, you got to go to church. You're the preacher, right? But the fact of the matter, by an act of your will, you did it, right? And sometimes you don't want to do what's right, but by an act of your will that you do do it, you do it. It's the same way with forgiveness. I don't feel like it. That person obviously has, has betrayed me. That person is obviously not doing, still not doing right. Somehow, maybe I say sometimes that you need to get away from that negativity and so forth. But even if they're still not doing right, you still forgive them. Because if you want your prayers, obviously, not to be hindered, then you need to forgive. But the question is, am I quick to forgive? Has it become my way of being? Has it become my consistent response to an offense? And I have I completely forgiven? Obviously. You know, here's the fact of the matter is, Jesus said that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. And you begin to travel like that. You realize that you never come to that place of, that you stop. It's continuous. You keep saying, you know, uh, how many times do we forgive? The Bible says 70 times 7, right? Everybody can multiply. And that's 490 times. Well, I've gone way past that. I'm forgiven that many times, right? Maybe you've gone past that. We've gone past that. But what he's saying here is it doesn't stop at 490 times. It actually continues on and on and on. And he continued to forgive me and you. And that's the way we should do with people too. Are we quick to forgive when someone has offended me? I want to tell you that's something that's been working on my life and all. And only the Holy Spirit can really share with you about whether you have or not. But the question is, when someone's hurt you, in the back of your mind, do you secretly wish that that person would fail? Huh? Everybody kind of looked like, oops, Jim's getting kind of close here. Do you secretly in the back of your mind wish that they wouldn't be blessed by the Lord? Do you? Okay. Yeah. That's the struggle. That's the tension. You see, even then, the Bible says to bless our enemies. To bless those who are adamantly opposed to us. Because that's what Jesus did. He blessed people on his walk when he walked here. He still blesses people. Even when I'm obviously somehow out here left field. He still blesses me. He still loves me. He may not like my behavior. But he loves me. And he's with me. But the question is, do we bless people? When they've really hurt us. 
And you may say, Jim, you don't have any idea how that person hurt me. I don't. I really don't. The only thing is that I would say is, is that person's really not being bothered by that, but you are. And so what it does is it puts us in bondage. And we wrap ourselves up to where we're carrying a weight that we were never intended to care, carry. You know the story about Abraham and Lot? You know the story there? And Abraham, obviously, and, and Lot were leaving the uh, Ur of Chaldeans in, in Genesis chapter 12, that part of the country, because God told him, get up. I've got going to take you to the promised land that he had. And your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. You know, Abraham couldn't really imagine that because Abraham was really up in age. And so was his wife, Sarah. Remember the miracle there? And when he had Isaac and but he said, go. So what did Abraham do? He went. You may not think in here today that God can use you because you may say, I am obviously I, I'm not I'm kind of over the hill. That expression that we sometimes use. No, you're here and God wants to use you. You can pray and ask God to do these things. And when a body of Christ prays like that, there are things that happen that are miraculous, you see, because our God is a God of miracles. Our God is a God of supernatural. But Abraham left there, remember, and they got to this uh, area and and the grass was green and all. And and remember what happened? Uh, Abraham asked Lot, he said, you want this or that? And remember, Ab uh, Lot said, I want that real uh, plush area down here where my my sheep can live down here and I can feed my sheep, you see. It was near Sodom, by the way. And he went. What did Abraham do? Abraham gave it to him. You see, Abraham should have been the one to get that. But he didn't. He let Lot have that area. It was the best area and so forth. But what happened when God said, um, you know, I'm going to rain down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody know the story? I mean, sin got so bad that obviously he said, I'm going to burn that place up, remember? And obviously Abraham actually interceded for Lot. He prayed for Lot, although he had been betrayed by Lot. And he obviously didn't hold animosity in his heart because he prayed for Lot and he prayed for that city, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and they didn't repent. And eventually God had to send down fire and burn the whole city up. But Abraham didn't hold animosity in his heart. He prayed for them. The Bible says, pray for your enemies, bless them. Pray for those that persecute you. Those that don't like you. The worst of your enemies you pray for. Because God works through that. Not only does he bless that person, but he changes your heart and my heart when we do that, you see. Again, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus commanded us to bless our enemies. Father, remember that? They obviously hung Jesus on the cross. And what did Jesus say? There you go. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And here they were. They were spitting on him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They nailed the nails in his hands and his feet. They were mocking him. I don't like to be mocked. How about y'all? I don't like that. I don't like that when people talk about you and do all these types of things. And you see everything in me, that old nature there raises up and says, let me retaliate and let me get back. Because I want my way. And God said, no, I want you to forgive them. And I want you to bless them. And Jesus did that. And he's our example. For, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, and they were worse. I hadn't been hung on a, a cross. Have you? No. I haven't had all that. I haven't had to take my means of execution on my shoulders and walk up that hill. Knowing that I'd be nailed to it. I haven't done that. And yet he tells you and I. To forgive. The third point here is when relationships are not right, our prayers will be hindered. In First Peter chapter three, for in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands likewise wives dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life and that your prayers may not be hindered. Got to keep short accounts. He's talking about not only between husbands and wives, but he's talking about with everybody. Keep short accounts and ask God to forgive quickly. Be quick to forgive because if not, it will 
it will start with a root of bitterness. The Bible says, forgive that a root of bitterness will not get down in your heart. When a root of bitterness gets there, have you all ever been around a person that's bitter? I have. I've been around people that, that are bitter at the end of their life. And I would tell them, say, you need to forgive them. It's an act of you. I don't feel like it and I don't want to. My sister hurt me like you don't have any idea, Jim. I go, I know. It could have been. But right now you're trapped in bondage because you're not forgiving your sister. Or you're not forgiving your mother. And you're not forgiving your father. Well, my father did this and my father did that, whatever it may be. And it could be that, obviously, you haven't forgiven God is saying, by an act of your will, in other words, I step and I say, forgive them, Father. Forgive them. And it releases you, okay? Obviously, we're to love people. And am I responding to my offender the way that I would want someone to respond to me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor, what? As thyself. Anybody here love themselves? That's not an issue with most of us, okay? We love ourselves, right? We love other people the same way, according to the Word of God. And I'm going, wow, God, are you kidding me? You want this? Because I know, boy, you know how I am, man. Look at me, and I love myself, and so forth. And sometimes, even when I don't think so, God shows me, yeah, you got too much love for yourself. Love other people. Just as you love yourself, love other people. In that way. Wow, but you're talking about somebody that really was, uh, I mean, they've been cruel to me and they continue to be cruel to me. And they continue on. And God said, love them, forgive them, forgive them. And I don't always say be around them because the negativity can bring you down. But I'm saying that you need to forgive them. That's according to the word of God. In First John chapter 4, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? I love God. I'm here and I've come today and I love God. But yet somehow you don't love that person that's hurt you or whatever. Now, again, it may not be a whole lot of feelings with it to begin with. But you, as an act of your will, you choose to forgive. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain's attitude was not right towards Abel. And obviously, I believe his attitude was a big factor that his prayers were not getting hindered. Remember, Cain eventually killed his brother Abel. And God obviously was telling him because he said, obviously, this is something I'm not sure theologians completely understand fully, but I know that his attitude wasn't right. and He offered a sacrifice and God rejected his sacrifice. So what did he do? He went in there because he accepted Abel's sacrifice. He got jealous, of course, and mad and he killed Abel. We can kill people with our words, can't we? Do you know how powerful your words are and your attitudes towards people that can bring people down? When we obviously should be somehow allowing the life of Christ to be seen in and through our lives. And yet by our words, by our actions, by our attitudes, we can bring harm to people more than what we realize. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Again, the priorities on right relationship. If you come here, he's saying, don't come to worship until you get it right with your brother. Put your gift at the altar and then go and get it right with the brother or sister or friend or acquaintance, whoever it may be that God puts on your heart. If somebody's name keeps coming up, go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And then obey what he tells you to do. The fourth thing is, so how do I get my relationships right and there are, I believe, five keys. First of all, you can't control what the other person would do. You sometimes in the back of my mind, if I sometimes forgive like that, and I'm going, well, how are they going to respond? You don't know. If I'm kind to them in that way, then sometimes they're kind back, but not always. Because they don't want to admit they're wrong. It doesn't make any difference. You forgive them. You forgive them completely. Because they may or not, may or may not respond in a way that you think they should. But that has nothing to do with the response that you and I do. We need to obviously do what's right. Anybody here do what's right? Just do what's right and let God handle the rest. If he's omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent, he knows what you need. He's with us always. He'll give it to you. Just do what's right 
and leave it in his hand, trusting to take care of it. The second thing is I've got to decide. I've got to make a, a decision. I remember here, I've had some people. Sometimes when church folks betray you, it's kind of hard because you think you know better. You know better than that. That's the hardest betrayal. And as a pastor, I've experienced that. And I've had to forgive. I've had to make a choice. And I want to tell you, God tests you to see whether or not you forgive him. I've shared stories about that. But you need to obviously just take the decision. Let me give you an example. Corey Tenboom. Everybody knows who she was. She told a story about not being able to forget a wrong. Now, uh, Corey Tenboom, she was obviously, she, was, she sought the Lord, okay? But she couldn't get rid on her heart about this wrong that had been done to her. She had forgiven the person, but she kept rehearsing or rehashing the incident. And so she couldn't sleep. Finally, she desperately cried out to God for help in the matter. And Corey said this. The help came in the form of a pastor who shared and counseled with her. After two sleepless weeks, she confessed her problem and she directed her. Uh, he, she confessed her problem there and he directed the pastor, directed her attention to a bell in the church tower. And he told her the bell is when the bell is rung by pulling on a rope. Y'all know how that works. But after you let go of the rope, the bell keeps clinging, clang, clang, until eventually that bell gets less and less and less, and then it stops. And that's the way it is with forgiveness. You forgive, and then it keeps clanging. Bam, 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 bam. Until it's completely emotionally, it's gone. That's what happens. But it won't happen until you take that step to forgive. You want your prayers answered? You need to obviously forgive. It's a difference between forgiveness and trust too also. When Jesus tells us to forgive, he's not necessarily telling us that we're to trust the other person. Okay. Matthew 18, Jesus taught on forgiveness using financial debt to make his point. Let's say if I go to Tom and I ask Tom over here uh, for um, to loan me $5,000. Tom, I may ask you after the service that you'll loan me at $5,000, okay? But obviously, and that is to start to do, do something and all and do this and that. But the venture doesn't go well, okay? So, obviously, uh, I can't pay back the $5,000. So I go up to Tom and I tell him the situation. He t says to me, I, I forgive the debt. And you no longer owe me the $5,000. By the way, Tom, I want you to hear this example. Now, that's forgiveness, right? Y'all know what I'm saying. Tom catches it too. I can't give, I can't give the $5,000 back to you. And Tom goes, I forgive you. I forgive you for that, okay? And all. And then, so three months later, I find maybe another business opportunity. And I go to Tom again and I tell him all about it. And I ask if I could borrow $10,000, okay, to start the business. Now we get into the area of trust. Obviously, you don't owe me the 5000 but I can't trust you, Jim, with the 10000 You didn't make good on the 5000 so I can't trust you with the 10000 Do you understand what I'm saying? He's forgiven me for that 5000 right? But I can't go to him again and say, okay, Lord, you got to do this. See, there's a difference between forgiveness and the trust. Now, Tom may say, okay, and feel convicted to give Jim $500 to start it. Okay, it's not quite the loss that $10,000 would be. And that would be after trust is built back up in Jim. And so I take that and we go with it and so forth. The, the truth of the matter is, is that there's a difference between that. You don't continue, obviously, to go back and jump in the same fire over and over again. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying use wisdom. Stay away. God tells you to stay away. But forgive. Because you're carrying the forgiveness away from that person. You need to release it. If you want your prayers answered. And then you leave justice in God's hands. You say the Bible says vengeance is mine saith the Lord. You take care of it. 
You see a lot of injustices in this country today and around, obviously, the city and all over. You see, justice will be served, folks. It will one day, if it's not on this side, it will on the other side. Justice will be served. And God will take care of it. But what happens is, is we want revenge. Because we've been wounded. We've been hurt. And God said, no, no, you forgive them. Jesus forgives us every day, right? The life of a Christian should be a life of repentance. And he forgives us. But we've got to make that decision. Because it starts there. You know what I'm, I want to say here, and then we'll, we'll close. In the end, nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with it. You think he got away with it or she got away with it or they got away with it and so forth when they hurt you and so forth. Nobody gets away with anything. I want to inform you today. Nobody. And the only way that I can stand up here today and the freedom to be able to share this is because obviously my sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? When I've hurt and I've done things that I know were against God, because David said, my sins are against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Our sins are against God. Okay. But my sins are under the blood. Doesn't mean there are not consequences on this side. It just means that I stand before the Lord with his righteousness. Even since I've accepted him, he has put his righteousness in me and you as Christians. Nobody gets away with anything. You think they're going to get away with it? Some of the stuff, the things more evil and evil. Some people are saying, "Is Jesus coming back again?" He could. I, you know, I, I don't know when that time will be, but I know one thing: there's some evilness going on in this country today. There's a, a lack of conscience about anything, and all it is about me, myself, and I, whether or not it is about more, more power or whatever else that they have that's against the will of God. That's what they're doing today. But they're not going to get away with it. Justice will come from the hand of the Lord one day. And the question is today, and then we'll close with this. When you stand before the Lord, you see, we won't stand there uh, during the great white throne judgment if you're saved. If you're not saved today, get it right today. If you're not sure of your salvation, don't leave this place without Jesus in your heart. Make that declaration today and say, Lord, I want you as my Lord and Savior. And you, as a result, you'll be in heaven with God Almighty for the rest of your life. And you will not stand before the, it's called the great white throne judgment. You won't. Because those unbelievers will stand before the great white throne judgment before the Lord and they'll be judged, you see. And all of their works will not in any way measure up to obviously the measurement that God has and His holiness and His righteousness. We just can't reach that. We can't do it. Because the Bible says that all of our, even our, the, our best acts are like filthy rags. Okay? But we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be judged for what we do. Now, there's grace there, definitely. It's all grace. But we'll be judged. Not in a way of saying, get away from me and, you know, or cast into hell. We won't. Our salvation is secure in Jesus. But we'll be judged. I don't want to leave this earth with unforgiveness on my heart. I don't know about you. I want everybody. I want people. I forgive them, forgive them. And so God will show you what he wants you to do. He'll do it. He's real clear. If you're serious about it, get serious, folks. We're living in some perilous times. And he's calling me and you to take a stand. And if there's unforgiveness in your heart or my heart, then we're not going to be able to stand during this time of tribulation. We won't be able to be able to have the strength because you see this other stuff's going to weigh us down. And God is saying, I want to, I've come to set you free, but I want you to live for me. You'll never live for Christ if there's unforgiveness on your heart. So somebody watching this today or somebody here, if there's unforgiveness on your heart, 
then you need to ask God to forgive them. Take the stand. And then that church bell dings loud at first because they hurt and the wound's there, and God will heal, and eventually it will come to a stop. Okay. Now, the question is, is something that I heard recently again, is when life is not going the way that you thought, and you just thought it would be completely different, that maybe you thought that life would be kind of a piece of cake. It's going to be easy. What about you? I thought, well, the older I get, it should ease up a little bit. It hasn't. I don't want to tell you. It's a battle. It's a battle. Obviously, health seems to be getting, you know, different things, challenges. You got challenges in the world, the COVID, and all the other pestilences that are out there. It's not going to get any easier. But the question is, do you still believe God? If you're God's kid right now, right now, if you're God's kid and your heart, you say, I know I'm God's child, I'm God's son. Then do you still believe that God is working a plan out in your life and my life that only he can do? And his infinite wisdom that he knows exactly what he's doing in your life and my life. I'm not saying he causes sickness and all that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in the midst of that. Do you still believe he's Lord? Do you still believe him? Although everything seems to be going the opposite way. And life didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Life did not go the way I thought, Right? Look back over my life and say, golly, David, well, how did we get here? And God has you where you are because he's working a work in your life, but you've got to believe him. Do you still believe him? Do you still believe Jesus? If right now your faith is wavering, you're going, I think God somehow has really walked away from me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you're a Christian. And you obviously can can come back to the Lord and say, Lord, um, you haven't left me. This is why your word says so. But do you still believe? That's the whole question. And you say, well, you're not there yet, Jim. This right now. I'm not right there right now. But you see, sometimes when the fire's turned up, we may come to that place. And the question will be asked, do you still believe? Do you still know Jesus Christ is with you? And Jesus Christ will never leave you, nor forsake you, no matter what you say. Because it's always happening to somebody else, right? But when it happens to you or me, he says, do you still believe? You still trust me? Didn't turn out the way I thought it would, Lord. Been betrayed, been hurt, been cursed at. Been all that sort of stuff. Hadn't been like I thought it would, Lord. But I forgive them. But Lord, I didn't know I was going to go this way. I didn't know this would happen. But do you still believe that God is right with you, right where he is? In fact, he's got you right where he wants you to be. Amen? There's unforgiveness anywhere in anybody's heart watching this today or anybody in this congregation. Get it right. You can go to the Lord. You need somebody to help you with it, you can always call me. I'm always available to help you with it. There's no condemnation, okay? I don't look down. We all come together. The ground at the, the, the foot of the cross is all level. We come the same way. But I don't want you to carry that burden. Neither is God. And he'll forgive you. And you'll feel like. You'll feel like a free bird. <laughs> I did a, a, a service for a man up in uh, Cleveland. One time a funeral service. And the funeral director came up to me. And he said Jim I've got something to ask you. That was before the service. The pastor. The preacher. And uh, he said. The family has requested a song that they like to uh, play during the service. 
And he looked kind of worried and concerned. I said, what is it? And he said, Freebird. I said, by Leonard Skinner? He goes, yeah, that's it. You know, like, you know it? You're a preacher. You know that song? I thought you just knew Amazing Grace and that was it. No, I know Freebird. So we played Freebird. On, and you know, that's a long song, on and on. <laughs> he wants to set you free like Freebird, Amen. You just soar on wings like eagles. In fact, Isaiah chapter 40 says it. And you'll walk and not get weary. You'll run and not faint. Hallelujah. That's what He wants. But we've got to do it according to His Word. There's no other way. That's who God is. He's God and I'm not. And neither are you. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word, Your truth. Thank You for Your presence. And your love, Lord, you're so good to us. We ask you, Lord, to show us your glory. I pray for every person in this place. That you would show us your glory. I pray today that you would reveal yourself to every heart. And every person here would receive revival. They would experience revival because I believe we're right there. And you're getting ready to do something big. And I pray every person here. Even we don't understand it, Lord. I've talked about it, but I don't understand it. I don't. But I know one thing. We need you. And we ask you today to show us your glory. And those watching today, show them your glory, Lord. Show them your glory. Your holy presence, oh God, is what we long for. To be in your presence, oh God, always. We pray we'd never walk out from under it. You're always with us, but may we be aware of your presence, oh God. And Father, if it be somebody here who's never received Jesus, they're not sure, or somebody watching this today, go ahead and nail it down. And say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life and save me. I don't want to walk in this newness of life that you give, and you give it freely. And I want to walk with a higher step in my step than I ever have before. Because right now, I'm just kind of trudging through life. And it's because... I know that I'm not right with you. If that's the case, anybody can do that and just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I open my heart to you. Do this what you and you alone can do. Nobody else. I give you my life. I surrender it all. I ask you completely to be abandoned to you. That I can worship you the way you certainly deserve to be worshipped. May you be praised, Father. And glorified forevermore. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I pray come back next week. And pray we're going to start in probably a new series. And I'll share with you next week. Uh, what that entails. So we're glad you joined us. God bless each and every one of you. Have a blessed week. Amen. Amen. Thank you.